we'd like to welcome you back to part six of our Alien Deception Mega Study, the fourth actually installment of the Mega Study. Part six, though. And we're going to continue on with our last theme here. And this is also from James, and this is more more Bigfoot encounters. Now, this is since that he's actually had the encounter at the uh, campground. When he had encounters before that as well. Anyway, he said, I had three encounters, uh, Brother Scott, with Bigfoot. I had one encounter on November 27th and two on uh, December 4th. So this is after the camping trip. On November 27th, I wanted to go and fish for some catfish. I fished from this old dock. So I was, I was doing what I normally do when I fish. I either listen to one of your teachings on my droid phone or I listen to Pastor John Weaver. Uh one of his sermons, who I highly recommend. That day, I was listening to one of John Weaver's sermons. I was there all by myself, just listening to a sermon and fishing like I always do. And then all of a sudden, uh, I had this strange feeling like I was being watched. I then looked behind me on my right side. I said, in the name of Jesus, I come against all werewolves and Bigfoot that are in these woods. And as soon as I said that, I heard branches breaking, and it sounded like huge branches falling from several trees. So, in other words... <laughs> What we do works. Okay, what spiritual warfare does work. Um, the enemy tried to put this intense fear on me like what happened when Jay and I went camping. I just prayed through it and then it all ended at once. I continued to fish for a couple more hours. Then, on Sunday, December 4th, I went back to the same spot to do some fishing for catfish. I wanted to fish one more time this year because I don't like to fish in the severe cold. Just like I was all alone, I was listening to Pastor John Weaver, uh, a sermon of his again. This time I did not wait until I felt like something was watching me. As soon as I got there, I looked behind me on the left side facing the woods and I said, In the name of Jesus, I come against all Bigfoot and werewolves that are in these woods. I continued to pray for a little bit and then I went fishing. Maybe ten minutes later, um, if that, from that part of the woods that I aimed my prayers at earlier, they responded to my prayers. I heard a very loud loud thump against the tree and it was not a tree knock it was like this fallen angel that shapeshifts or a nephilim hybrid took its fist and hit the tree really hard and i heard a loud thump um then that night i was going to bed and i had another encounter as soon as i sat on my bed that night this intense fear came over me this bigfoot was talking to my mind telepathically he said every time you go into the woods we're watching you now here comes the crazy part so, in other words, they are pulling out all the stops to try to put fear in James. So he will not go out and do spiritual warfare, engage them, do spiritual warfare over the land. Okay, they want the land nice and defiled. That's the way they like it. Okay. Here comes the crazy part. This Bigfoot who was communicating with me telepathically showed me my last fishing experience as it was happening from his point of view being in the woods and through his eyes so in other words this was like being telepathically downloaded into his head what the bigfoot was seeing from his perspective looking through his eyes i could see him watching me through the woods as i was on the fishing dock now this is the most insane part scott as it showed me his point of view of him watching me in the woods it wanted me to know that it was a basically a biological container it was hollow, like it was hollow for fallen angels or whatever else to live in it. 
okay? That's what demons and devils do. They seek out a body to inhabit. Now, I'm not saying fallen angels necessarily do that, but demons, which I've done studies on that, that's definitely something they do. But a fallen angel can do that as well. You know, you've heard of people being, well, possessed, and that's a great example. Okay, so continuing, um, he, he then says, um, then I rebuked it, meaning the, the, the uh, basically this evil entity that was telepathically um, not only communicating with him when he went fishing, but it was also showing him fishing through its eyes. You know, it was, it was, he, he, um, <clears throat> he rebuked that, James did, in the name of Jesus, then he went to bed. Um, these things want to dialogue with me and try to intimidate me. So now this is also another lesson because this may become more and more common. And if you were a Christian and this started happening to you, you may think you're going crazy. You know what I mean? Now, for one reason or another, God's, I haven't had this happen to me before where they're actually telepathically trying to whatever. Um, but this may start to become more and more commonplace so that so that the body of Christ is more familiar with their tactics and um, I guess more in a, a warfare mode. I mean, I'll be honest, when this kind of stuff happens to me, I go full ballistic gonzo, like I'm like, let's do it now. Let's go. Let's I, I mean, I get really, really fired up if I have any type of entity want to engage me um i can remember that time I, I probably said this when um well the last time the black-eyed witch came after me i mean i went into full like okay <laughs> let's go let's do this and i mean it it got me more more focused and more fired up than anything I think it was a bad, you know, it's not the greatest tactic to come. I think they think they're going to just intimidate everybody. And we're just going to, you know, cower in a corner when you have a black-eyed witch or a black-eyed bean or whatever. Or these things are trying to communicate with you. Or if they're trying to astral project into your house or whatever they're trying to do. They think that you're going to be like the standard average Christian. And, you know, quote, lukewarm Christian. And, you know, curl into a fetal position and, and cry for mommy and daddy. They don't, what they're not understanding is that there's a certain percentage of Christians out there that are wanting to engage them and want this battle more than they even do. Because that's what they're called to do. It's a calling. You know, and, that, and like I said, we're all part of the body of Christ. No, no, no part of the body is better or, or more high than another, you know. And the Bible makes that very, very clear. Not everybody's called to doing this. But I do think it's going to become more frequent. And um, these type of tactics, you may experience them personally. You start having something telepathically try to put stuff in your head or communicating with you. Don't think you're going nuts. Okay, now, yes, does the government possess technology like that? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, that sound of silence thing. And um, I know that there were even billboards that they had up in New York City where you'd walk by them, there was advertising some horror show, and you would literally hear, like, whatever thing they were doing for the horror show in your head. 
And so, yes, technology does exist, but telepathically, I've heard this over and over and over again of people that have had experiences with Bigfoot and these types of entities, that they're telepathically, the, the primary way they will communicate with people is, is telepathically, okay? So, understand that may be something you face in the future. Don't get freaked out if it happens. Just rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Start quoting scripture. Praise God. Whatever God's calling, whatever you feel led to do, that's what you want to do. Okay? So, um, that's something to bear in mind as well. Okay, so, and again, um, and this just reiterates my last point there. I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. I went to bed. These things want to dialogue with me to try to intimidate me, as they would any of you if it happened to you. Okay? Um... They are trying to intimidate me just like Goliath tried to intimidate David. They're bullies. But really, at the end of the day, it's what it boils down to. And so, I don't want to dialogue with these things. I just want to fight them in, in, in Jesus' name. I was also stunned when I found out the amount of dogman sightings that are in Virginia and the U.S. Now, dogman is a whole other different thing. They're just as real. Many of the dogmen are much larger than the Bigfoot. 12 footers from what i've heard um even bigger sometimes and they have the ability to cloak i i read a testimony or heard a testimony not too long ago lady went out it was a prime dogman sighting area and um she literally felt like she had to stop in the middle of this dirt road and she literally saw footprints forming in the road as it was walking but it was invisible so understand they have that ability, but understand you have the ability to pray that they can't cloak. You have the ability to pray if you're not comfortable with them communicating with you telepathically, you have the ability to pray for God to turn off that ability. You know, don't let them communicate with me, Lord. I don't want, I don't want them to put any fear in me. Um, so it's, the thing is, is, is it's different. I really believe the experiences are going to be different for everybody. And I think it's going to be like cookie cutter and everybody experiences the same thing and these types of things. And God may let you go through some things, even if you pray about it, just to test your faith, just to increase your faith. You know? Because a muscle that is not exercised will atrophy. And faith is like a muscle. If it's not tested, if it's not um, <clears throat> exercised, then it tends to atrophy. Okay, so this is all about preparing us for the battles, not just these types of battles, but for the battles that are to come, which will get even more intense. Okay, but God is greater. God is greater than all of this. So the dogman sightings are, I mean, the, you go up on the internet and you hear all these people, there's no way they're all lying about this. And they tend to travel in packs. They're gigantic for the most part. They're vicious. Um, a lot of the the, the the crazy thing is, is a lot of the Bigfoot sightings, not a lot, but some of them, people, and usually it's some new ager. There, there's whole groups here in North Carolina that will, people that'll go out and like leave them stuff. Like they'll leave them food and things of this nature and actually try to bond with these things. And they'll, they will form some loose 
type bond. Usually these people are like the ones that are like psychics or really into New Age or really into Mother Gaia and they think that these things are just some other species that are special and they're, you know, they have every much, as much right to be here as we do and all this other garbage. I, I don't buy into any of that. But there's actually some, a lot of the Bigfoot uh, groups out there at least on the surface, to these, if you take these New Agers' words for it, appear to be peaceful. Now, you have a Christian going there and want to engage them, you're going to find out their true colors real quick. Okay? The dogmen are never that way. The dogmen are always nasty. Every time. They, there's, there's none, none of them that I have ever seen that aren't just, you know, 100% evil, 100% of the time. Not to say the Bigfoot aren't either. Okay? Um, but there's, in other words, there's different attributes, you know, like werewolves, they're, they're, they're as bad as they come. Okay. Uh, um, you know, but there's different attributes to, to these different, different cryptozoological evil entities that are roaming around here. Um, and then he says, that show Mysteries and Monsters in America really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Let me tell you something. That's one of the, <laughs> you want to see a lot of the, about the sightings and stuff? Find that show, Mysteries and Monsters in America. The only place I know of to watch it's on Amazon. And I don't, I don't like giving them any whatever money if I can all avoid it because they're, they're not a good, a good company. Um. There maybe there's other ways to get maybe you could maybe you could buy it on eBay I don't know I, but I also don't want you to pay a lot of money but I'm telling you that mysteries and monsters of America I think they've got had like two seasons man is that insightful about this type of stuff now granted understand they're not coming at this from any kind of Christian standpoint but you want to know about a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about that show is as cutting edge on that as I've anything I've ever seen anything um. I don't know if I told him about that or whether, you know, I know I had watched it and, and it was, man, I was, I'm telling you, man, this stuff is real. Then he goes on to say, last year, the Lord gave me the following scripture, Jeremiah 33, 3, and wow, it is coming to pass in a huge way. And that was the end of that letter. And I'll just post that. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And then Jeremiah 32, 12 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And then Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? With a question mark. No, there's not. There's nothing too hard for God, no matter how bad it seems or how bad it gets. All right, now my reply to his letter to these letters is i said wow do you have any sense for the reason that they that they so want you out of the woods so bad i mean it seems like it does not matter where you go regarding the woods um it's like they're there when you show up are there that many in the woods in virginia where you're at or are they following you somehow and then manifesting i've been in the woods a ton of ton in my lifetime and i've never seen one of these things I listened to this teaching, all six parts, and it seems like these principles could be heavily used in the situations you are increasingly coming into. And I give them a link. And it's, it's uh, Minister Wynne Worley 
um, who specialized in deliverance. Hegwich Baptist Church. Now, I'm not saying that there was no ever, like every single person that's in to this, that I would agree with them about every single thing they're doing. But um, Wynn Worley seems like one of those preachers I really never heard anything bad about, but you have a lot more experience in this area, especially deliverance, because he had a deliverance ministry for years. Okay, so he responds back to me. Sorry, I'm just getting interrupted constantly tonight. So um, here, here was his answer to my last little thing there. Um, and this is under the, the thing of listener comment about deliverance. I started deliverance by listening to Win Worley. Okay, this is James. His books and his sermons are great. I had all of his books. I also read the books from Frank Hammond and Derek Prince and, and others as well. Plus, I listened to their sermons. These are great ministers for your listeners to listen to. I remember when Worley said he battled a demon in one person for six hours. I have done deliverances on people for six to seven hours at a time. Some demons and fallen angels are easier to get out than others. I have a lot of woods around here I live in, um, and I have really thought about this for several months and prayed about it as well. Now, he's answering my questions that I asked above. The Lord is showing me this stuff like he showed me those Nephilim hybrids in northern Virginia and in the Richmond area because it pleases him to do so. The Nephilim hybrids he's in reference to are the reptilians that were shape-shifting right in front of his face. He was sent to these houses to, I don't know if it was to do a bid or to work on their house or whatever the company's working for, sent them there. And the people there were literally, would, would have slits in their eyes one minute and then go back to pupils and then go back to slits. I mean... I, I read the testimonies from before. Now, again, he's not the only one seeing this. Okay, I've got other unrelated listeners to James that are seeing the same stuff. My own daughter saw it. Okay, so I'm, I'll read that one later. Anyway, um, not only that, they're, they're, how much footage is there online about that? Uh, is, is all of it made up? Is all of it fake? You know, anyway, we'll go further. <clears throat> Uh, I remember when he was showing me these Nephilim people, it seemed uh, at one time it was almost daily. Now he's more dealing with these Bigfoots and the werewolves, whereas before it was more he was being shown all the stuff about the Nephilim uh, reptilian shapeshifter, most likely these hubrids that we're going to be talking about. I don't know how, how far I'm going to get on this teaching tonight. I mean, I'm already into the, I don't even know, probably we're going into the uh, probably close to the eighth hour, and I'm not even close to being finished. Um, who knows? It might take me to this weekend to get this up, but um, I'm just going to try to get as much done as I can tonight. All right, and then he goes on to say, <clears throat> I remember when he was showing me these things, um, these Nephilim people, it seemed at one time like it was daily. Like the old saying goes, when it rains, it pours. This is something that people do not want to hear, especially in America. The land here is defiled more than we can ever imagine. The Bible says that when the land gets so defiled, the land vomits out its, out its inhabitants. We see this in the Bible when the Lord wanted the Israelites to go to the promised land and kill and destroy the inhabitants. The Native Americans, now I'm, we're going to elaborate on this. okay? So don't if, if there's any Native Americans out there that are going to get offended by this next statement, just understand we're going to elaborate on this because I asked them further about this. He says, the Native Americans defiled the land before the white settlers came into the North America. The Native Americans prayed to all kinds of things, even to Bigfoot. 
Then the Lord had the white settlers come into America and get rid of the inhabitants to a large extent. Not to say the white inhabitants were, you know, doing it in some kind of puritanical way on, on a lot of levels. I mean, obviously there's a, you know, there was a lot of atrocities that were committed as well. Okay, so continuing on, we see this in the Bible when the Lord wanted the Israelites to go into the promised land and kill and destroy the inhabitants. The Native Americans defile the land before the white settlers came into North America. Um, oh, sorry, I, I just read that. I'm sorry, I just keep constantly getting interrupted. I'm, I'm just so slammed now with everything. Uh, I can barely even do these studies. Much less, this is probably going to be a 12-hour study. You know, oh good, more interruptions. Um, okay, so continuing on, it's he says, The Lord has showed me several things. These Bigfoot were all in the woods, and the natives were afraid of them. With these experiences that I've been having in these woods, the Lord is showing me how the how the Native Americans defiled the land. Now, this is the part that Americans and Christians in this nation do not want to hear. That we have defiled the land far worse than the Native Americans ever did. Now, at that point, what I did is I asked him a question. And I said, could you elaborate on what the Lord showed you on how the Native Americans defiled the land? And so he responded back to me. So I'm going to read his response and then I'm going to go back to the, his original letter. He said, when the Lord had me do deliverance on people, one of the things the Lord would have me do is show them what sins they had in their lives that opened the doors to the enemy. The Lord would also have me show them what cursed objects had to be cast out of their homes before the deliverance could happen. Because I'm telling you, you got the wrong cursed object in your house, or if you've got a ton of them, you're not going to get victory spiritually. Those are going to be like, like, like demonic anchors anchoring you to the bottom of the lake. You're, you're not going to have victory if you've got a lot of cursed object, objects in your house. Just like that Bobby Carver guy with the voodoo stick. And then he had out a vase that he had bought in... Um, Haiti and brought back for his wife and I told him I said and then they, they, they split apart right when they got back after he had given her the vase okay I said well part of it could be the voodoo stick but part of it could be the vase you gave her I said you got to go back to her and say listen you know pray about it ask the Lord to give you favor have her go back I, I don't know exactly what explanation you want to use just be honest with her and and say you know Tell her the truth and tell her that you will get her something of greater or equal value if she'll give you the vase back. Because, and now, I don't know if they ever got back together. I don't know. I didn't keep up. I, I know that, that uh, I just kept up a little bit. But um, I felt that that was very important too. But cursed objects are just hugely important to get rid of. Anyway, so because of their sins and what was in their houses, not only had they become defiled, but also their homes had become defiled as well. Once the legal grounds were broken, the demons and the fallen angels could be cast out. For example, remember when I told you about that gentleman that I did deliverance on, I spoke to the spirit, I spoke to a spirit of anal sex, okay, in him. I asked the spirit how he got into the man. Listen to this. The spirit said through the house he had lived in, the man lived with his dad and his brother. His brother was an open sodomite. For a long time, I was so focused on dealing with the defilement of individuals in their homes, but the Lord had been giving me greater understanding of what this really means when a whole nation is defiled. So in other words, just him living under the roof with his gay brother that was practicing anal sex, 
just him being under that roof, the spirit came in. Now, I do believe he could have been protected from that. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's like one thing leads to another, and maybe he had other doors and set him up for that. I don't, I, let's say he wasn't even saved. He was really going to be vulnerable. Okay, so I, you have to look at the, the example um, individualistically. Okay, now let's go further. To say the least, it was very jaw-dropping. The Lord at this time has guided, guided my feet to listen and glean from Pastor John Weaver. Oh, I couldn't agree more on that. I, I love that man. Um, I've been listening to his sermons and reading his books on government and the role of it. Whether it be, and remember the, the study I did on the, um, the, uh, the Civil War and the, um, the Confederate flag? Okay, and all the garbage and all the misinformation we've been put. That was primarily from Pastor Weaver. Pastor Weaver was also the first guy I'd ever heard regarding imprecatory prayers. He was the he was the one God used to literally confirm after I had been through um, a lot where I was being shown Psalm sixty four and imprecatory prayers. I literally went to a um, a uh, it was the Independent Fundamental Baptist. Um, convention in okeechobee florida a church there and um he literally preached that sermon that confirmed exactly what god had been showing me and he used pastor weaver specifically to confirm that to me and then i went on to i mean i got total confirmation and then i went on to actually do my own my own study on it as well that, that i've i've put up there but i always recommend his his teaching on it as well um, so I couldn't agree more with what he's saying here. Anyway, whether it be a husband or a wife, government, um, husband, wife, government, God has created limitations on these things. And when people refuse to listen to God, there's a breakdown of family, church, and government. There's a breakdown of society as a whole. I have been also listening. I've also been listening, uh, what it means when people disobey i've been studying on the signs of god's judgment on a nation when god turns his face and god's wrath just bear with me this is all leading up to the native americans defiling the land so he's saying all this stuff so he'll answer the question i was listening to pastor weaver preach a sermon and he said he was at this church for several days preaching and there was a native american uh man there during this time and everything was great but during the last day the native american Man was sitting by himself with an angry look on his face. John Weaver asked him what was wrong. The Native Americans said to him that the whites stole the land from them. Now this is a big thing I hear a lot about. Um, from various people that I've known. And the Native Americans that they know, that is a very, very common thing you will hear that they are always complaining about the land the white man stole from them. And they have this gigantic grudge against the whites because of that. Okay, I get it, I understand that, but that is a very, very big thing that I do commonly hear. Now, listen, I love Native Americans. I really do. God's put a love in my heart for them. I'm not saying that to disparage anybody. I'm just saying that is one common thing I hear over and over. Okay? Um... Not to say, like, white people are perfect either. No race is perfect, okay? And, and, and I get it. There was a lot of atrocities committed. I'm, I'm not denying that, okay? 
Anyway, let's go further. Um, the Native Americans said to him that the whites stole the land from them. Pastor Weaver then said, quote, First of all, that is not your land. All the earth belongs to the Lord, and your people refuse to obey God. Your people worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. Your people also committed cannibalism. You committed idolatry. They, they committed idolatry, and the Lord had, um, had your people cast out of the land. The same will happen to us in this nation if we refuse to obey the Lord. So in other words, Pastor Weaver is not holding this Native American to any higher accountability than he would hold myself. The, I'm sorry, than he would hold himself. So, which, which makes it a very honest appraisal, if you ask me. Okay, going forward. Then the Lord brought to my attention something that I learned in a college class years ago. Some Native American tribes would commit acts of bestiality. And the men would sodomize the captives from other tribes. Uh, bestiality, they're having sex with animals. Okay, Some Native American tribes would do that. Then the Lord reminded me of reading this many years ago. And it's a, um, it's a whole webpage. And I give you the link here on all the Native American occult curse stuff that they've kind of done to kind of bring curses on themselves and, and the land and this type of stuff. It's a whole, I'm not going to go into it, but there's the link if you want to access it. Okay, it'll be on page 19 of the uh, 28-page PDF for, for this teaching. Anyway, we say that America is a melting pot, but, we, but do we, Brother Scott, really know what that means? I heard a deliver, deliverance minister say years ago in one of his teachings that America has more occult than anywhere else in the world. We have people all over the world coming into this nation bringing all their false religions, idols, and depravity. The Lord is showing me a deeper side to this. The remnant are deep, and I mean deep behind enemy lines. It's like the times of Daniel being in Babylon. The Lord is a pile of dung. The nation is a pile of dung covered in raw sewage and vomit before the eyes of the Lord. The modern church, meaning the 501c3, looks the same way before the Lord as well. Okay. Also, when I read that, one of the things that keeps popping into my head, he, he mentioned Babylon, and I keep thinking of the Tower of Babel. Okay, because when he says that America has more cult than anywhere else in the world, we have people all over the world coming into the station bringing their false religions, their idols, and depravity. Well, what did God do at the Tower of Babel? He confounded their languages, and each took each uh, race took a part of the whatever witchcraft they specialized in to their own realm, to their own area. Okay? And because of the speech barrier... And them not combining with these other races like they had been up to that point, the occult knowledge that they had was limited. It wasn't. It was. It was starting to all come together and mesh together at the Tower of Babel, and God had to confound their languages, or or bad, bad, bad stuff was going to end up happening. Okay, had He not split them apart, what that did is for thousands of years it is limited to a certain extent the amount of occult knowledge that was actually coming together. It split it apart. In other words, it like diluted it for a long time. Now we've got 
with 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 all the walls coming down and especially america being ground zero you've got all these different nations trying to get in each of them are bringing back their own little piece of the satanic occult puzzle and they're trying to rebuild the tower of babel again in fact that's one of the reoccurring themes of the new world order you, you continually see the 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 tower of babel in a lot of the united nations literature trying to be rebuilt okay in other words, these people with all these different parts, I mean, Hinduism has a part, Buddhism has a part, Zoroastrianism has a part, let's say Freemasonry has a part, Mormonism has a part, Catholicism has a part, and I don't mean Christianity, Bible-believing, I'm saying Catholicism, the death cult that it is. Islam, they all, and that's what you're going to have in the end times you're going to have all these religions coming together all getting on the same page they're not going to be fighting one another anymore they're going to they're going to say when the antichrist the false prophet comes on the scene with all signs and lying wonders and miracles and then you have the ascended master showing up saying you know uh buddha coming back or whatever and then the reincarnation of krishna and the, and the reincarnation of the false jesus coming back and all of these different ascended masters coming back when they make their big debut they're all going to be telling their followers in their different cults okay and i and i don't mean to say christianity is a cult but i mean the ones that are going to follow the false christ what those ascended masters are going to say and, and I, again i've reported on this over and over again is okay guys you know None of us have the full picture. None of us have it all right. Man has got in there and corrupted things. Uh, maybe just to control you or this or that. I am actually the one you've sought after. I am your, your savior. I am your, okay, follow me. But what we're going to do is we're going to combine all these religions together, which is a very common theme you see of the United Nations. We're going to combine all these cults together. We're going to take all of our our, our um, cumulative occult knowledge and we are going to amalgamate that into the one world religion under antichrist and false prophet and that is going to be the most powerful witchcraft you've ever seen because it's going to be exactly what they were trying to accomplish at the tower of babel but now you're going to have the antichrist and the false prophet on the planet and you're going to have these fallen angels masquerading as ascended masters essentially that are going to be guiding a lot of the adherence of this and in how Maitreya may figure into that i don't know but i do believe he's going to play a part a big part whether he's antichrist false prophet or whether he's just one of the whatever he he claims to be like i've said before the 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 fifth buddha to the buddhists which is what they're awaiting that's their awaited savior krishna to the hindus their awaited savior um, the Imam Mahdi to the Muslims, their awaited savior. Um, the Christ to the Christians and the Messiah to the Jews. He claims to be all those things wrapped up into one package. Okay. He's the one the United Nations has been behind. Now, maybe it won't end up playing out that way. I don't know, but I think he's going to play some part. And I've done tons of teachings on Maitreya and on this subject before. So when he says in the statement that um we have people all over the world coming into this nation bringing in all their false religions idols and depravity and and they're all getting amalgamated and see that is is further defiling the land you got like new orleans and in 
South Florida area, a really, really, really heavy voodoo. Voodoo, the voodoo capital of the United States is New Orleans. I've dealt with voodoo firsthand, big time. Key in that supernatural teaching I told you about at contendingfortruth.com. I've dealt with high-level voodoo witch doctors trying to kill me. Okay? Very, very powerful magic. Um, you're going to have the highest levels of, of witchcraft to voodoo to all of the occult knowledge and secrets that a lot of these different cults have possessed throughout the ages all those barriers are going to be torn down and they are being torn down and they're and they're going to come together in the most powerful witchcraft the world's ever seen and i've said this over and over that i do believe the backbone of the coming one world um religious system is going to be witchcraft that religion and the backbone of the new world order will be witchcraft essentially it's what it all boils back to essentially all right sorry um so we have that now let's go further here he's saying some some native americans would commit bestiality and would they would sodomize captives from other tribes we say in america is a melting pot okay i've already said that the lord is showing me a deeper side of this where uh, the remnant is deep behind enemy lines we live in a nation where our leaders think they are gods they might not say this with their mouths but they say it through their actions the inhabitants of canaan were wicked and then they were vomited out of the land. The Native Americans were wicked in their beliefs and the actions toward a righteous God. And look what happened to them. Look where they are now. We as Americans in the 501c3 church have far surpassed the Native Americans in their wickedness. It is only by God's grace that this nation has not been totally destroyed as of yet. The U.S. has been under God's judgment in the past. We are under God's judgment now. And if we don't repent, we will be under his wrath in the future. So that was his answer to my question I asked about the Native Americans. Okay, now, back to the original letter. He says, your teachings expose the evils of this land like no one I've ever heard. Man, that's that's a um, very humbling comment. Um, anyway, he says, this is one thing people need to grasp, and the Lord is dealing with me about it. Things are not only that bad, but they're actually far worse. That being said, my Heavenly Father is in control of everything. Satan demons and fallen angels cannot do anything without his permission my god is sovereign and my footsteps are ordered by him i remember i had to battle a coven after coven for two years every day so this guy's been through like so much he's been in prison ministry deliverance he's battled coven after coven for two then he saw all the rep reptilians like every day he walked out the door now he's dealing with like bigfoot every day he's been under this um just constant for like a lot of years it sounds like um he had to battle coven after coven every day for two years and then that passed and then the lord moved me on to something else at work at times when i've showed up to look at vacant houses houses not all of them but some of them the demons would manifest like in a haunted house so he's had that to deal with too i would do spiritual warfare and then continue to pray over that land and when we got home until the lord wanted me to stop I like what you said in one of your teachings years ago that the Lord restrains the enemy. That is so true. That being said, demons are everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Just like I am sure Nephilim hybrids are in your hometown, you just have not seen one yet. And then my comment is, I'm going to give some Bible verses. Now remember when he said, um, I like what you said about that the Lord restrains the enemy. My comment is 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 7 through 12. 
which says, For the mystery of iniquity, iniquity like sin, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So a lot of people refer to this as the restraining force of some aspect of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a particular angelic force we're dealing with here. But this is regarding the exact time we're in now. The falling away of the church of, of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when God sends the strong delusion, and then, and then um, the, after the falling away, that wicked, capital W, will be revealed. And that is the next verse. And then, then, after this restraining force is taken out of the way, then shall the wicked, capital W, this is the Antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, whose coming is after the work working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. That's how he's going to deceive the whole world. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So in order to actually get saved, you have to have a love for the truth. You can't be like this loving delusion individual going around and think that you're going to get saved. Okay. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. These are the people that had no love for the truth. That they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The backbone of all this, of this lie, appears to be the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So we, we haven't even begun to see that. We haven't even begun to see that. Now, could that include a 30-mile 30, 30 mothership appearing over a city? Why not? It says with all power and signs and lying wonders. What is it for Satan to put a 30-mile mothership over, over a city? They're already saying they exist down in the um, Antarctica under the ice. I've heard of ones bigger than that. I mean, if they're fallen angels and they've, they've been in heaven and they have all this advanced technology... You think there's not anything from a technological standpoint they couldn't really build? Come on. And probably build it very quickly. Now, I'm just I'm just saying that's one aspect of one way it could play out. I think there's going to be many ways that power and signs and lying wonders manifest. The Bible does allude to that in Revelation quite a bit as well different ways that's going to play out this is why jesus said a wicked and adulteration seeketh after a sign <laughs> you do not want to see and this is why it's so with the catholics it's so dangerous you know because that's what they do for the most part they seek it after signs lady Medjugorje, this and that and all these whatever paintings that ooze oil and stinky oil and blood and all this garbage they pursue all these signs and lying wonders that they pursue a, a wicked and adulterate generation seeketh after sign now i'm not saying god can't give you a sign but is that what you're basing your faith off of running from sign to sign to sign you you don't want to do that the word of god has to be enough in other words and then he goes on to say, 
I tell my wife all the time that God is in control. The children of Israel didn't choose to go into Canaan. God chose them to go in and no other group. When they went into the promised land, they just didn't battle whomever they wanted. They battled in, in the order that the Lord ordained and how the Lord ordained it. I also tell my wife that each of us is a different part of the body of Christ. Each path is different. This is reiterating what I said earlier. People learn and experience what the Lord ordained them to do at one specific time and place in their lives. And again, there's no other, there's no part of the body that's that's better than any other part. That the Bible's clear on that. Okay, so we we don't walk around just because we're called to do one thing, thinking we're better than another part, because they're not called the same thing we are. And trust me, I've seen a lot of that. Okay, with various ministries, so to say. Okay. You really always have to guard against pride. Especially if you're one of the people that has a grip on what we're talking about. Because understand, if you do, you are one of the very, very few on the planet that are Christians that know this information that we get into on you know a pretty consistent basis here. I'm not saying I'm the fountainhead for all truth. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a lot of this information that we are covering is, is cutting edge, and, and you're not going to hear it very many other places a lot of the stuff you'll hear about the stuff we're talking about today is going to come from the new agers or have some kind of new age bent to it and it's not going to point you to god at all and then a lot of christian ministries won't touch it and a lot of christian ministries that do touch it don't interject bible into it they don't they don't approach it from a biblical standpoint so anyway um Okay, people learn and experience what the Lord ordained them to do at a specific time and place in their lives. That is just the way the Lord does it. He knows the end from the beginning. He makes me feel so small to think about it, brother. We have such a powerful God. I have always been big into fasting, and once I did a 40-day fast, wow, that's heavy. I once did a 40-day fast, my life forever changed. I don't see things, and I'll be honest with you, I, I see the people that have done 40-day fast. It's pretty consistent that if you've done a 40-day fast, a lot of times people are living lives like this. Like James lives his life. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. 40-day fast, you, you do that for God, you're serious about God. You're serious. I've done several three-day, no food, no water. I did a week fast once. I've never done a 40-day. Um... I would have to have a real clear mandate, you know, on that one. Um, but yeah, 40 days is serious if you ask me as it gets. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. I don't see, see the same, I don't see the things the same anymore after doing the 40 day fast. In other words, his perspectives changed. Just like his perspective changed after they went to the campground and went through that well, the first night primarily of just like the gates of hell opening. It's going to change you. You know? That is when the Lord gave me Jeremiah 33.3 and, and, and had me really focus on his sovereignty. Call upon me and I'll answer me and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay. I am glad he pulled me away from the prison ministry and the aspect of deliverance ministry that I was doing. It gives me more time to spend with the Lord um, and for him to show me things that I would never have had time for because I was uh, so busy doing the prison and, and the deliverance ministry. 
And I know that's coming for me eventually. It has to. I mean, I, th- there's no way I, I believe the Internet's just going to stay. Now, granted, with Trump in office, I don't know how much time that's going to add on. It might not add, add no time. I don't know. I don't know. But I understand what he's talking about when he says um, how much time, you know, those things can, can take. Um, I enjoy having the Lord showing me things like these Nephilim hybrids and the Bigfoot. I also enjoy battling them in the woods. Uh, like I said, that camping trip with Jay changed us both. I am so happy that I had the intense experience that we had because we could not explain it away. It humbled me greatly, and I am in awe of God's great power. I told Jay before we went that it was going to be intense. I just could not wrap my mind around how intense it was actually going to be. My faith has increased greatly. Great faith is developed in the darkness in times and in great trials and tests. Absolutely. That's where your faith gets exercised is in the valleys. It's not on the mountaintops. And the mountaintops is like some big victory. Your faith isn't going to really get increased on the mountaintops. You're not going to be tested. You're not going to grow. A tree grows in the valley. There's no trees up on the mountaintops. There's, no, there's nothing growing on mountaintops. Okay? But you plant roots in the valley. These are just analogies I've heard over the years. It's true. I will say this, Brother Scott. Now, in this season of my life, the Lord is having me battle these Bigfoot. However, I don't want to make a ministry of it. All I want is to have an intimate relationship with the Lord and have him show me what he wants and when he wants it. Um, like those old shows from the 70s where people had new adventures every week. <laughs> All I can say to your listeners is this, that we need to pray and fast and have a very close walk with the Lord. This land is so defiled and the darkness is increasing over the land. My only suggestion to your listeners that read those books and want to do deliverance is this. And this is coming from somebody that was in the deliverance ministry for a long, long time. Stay close to Jesus. Not every deliverance is the same. Deliverance is not a formula. Deliverance is not a McDonald's drive through experience. Use those books and sermons as a teaching tool, and that is all. In other words, like a template, okay? Um, because you read all the books you can read does not mean you're an expert. Um, deliverance is a continuing learning process. We are just vessels. Jesus is the deliverance minister. They will run into situations in deliverance where what they learn in those books do not apply, do not put God in a box. God is sovereign and in total control. And that's where it ends it. I would add in there too that Jesus said in the, in the one Bible verse that they took out in all the new versions that this kind, this kind of demon that the disciples were trying to cast out does not come out but by prayer and fasting. So there's certain demons that will not come out in deliverance unless you pray and fast. Okay, that, that's another thing. I, I just kind of thought of as I was going through those. Of course, he would have said the same thing. I just wanted to add that in. Anyway, um, then some Bible verses, which I think I think relate to this. Romans 6, 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you've yielded your, mem- your members' servants, meaning your body, basically, a servant to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, basically your body, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So we need to walk in holiness. 
having uh, then second Corinthians 7 1 having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God the fear of God will keep you in holiness if you're operating in the fear of God generally you're going to be walking in a holy way but if you think God's the big guy in the sky and you could just whatever and I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect okay I'm not saying that whatsoever. I would say these verses as much to myself as I would anyone else. Okay, so I'm just understand that's where I'm I'm coming at this from. Not not because I'm Mister Sanctimonious over here trying to spout Bible verses at you. Um, these apply to us all, you know. Ephesians four twenty four, and ye that put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 And to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ unto all saints. 1 Thessalonians 4.7 For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Hebrews 12.9 Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father, capital F, meaning Father God, the Father of spirits, and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. Meaning, the fathers of our flesh corrected us, chastened us. It's like when you get a spanking, basically. You get disciplined. They chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, meaning Father God, or Jesus, and you know, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous. Meaning, if you're getting a spanking, like remember when you're a kid, and if you got a spanking, that wasn't fun. Okay, it wasn't joyous. You know, especially if you had a dad like mine. <laughs> it was terrifying, but at the time, basically grievous. Nevertheless, afterward. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So in other words, you, you got, let's say you got spanked when you are a kid because you had done something that maybe you had gotten a warning on a few times. And then after you got spanked, which was not fun, but it was grievous, but yet afterward you knew not to do it again because you knew there would be consequences. Meaning, in this particular case of the verse, verse, what it's going to do is yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Then, um, verse 14, Hebrews 12, verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, so that's, I mean, that's a really heavy-duty statement there. We, we, need to, we need to be walking in holiness. And that is something you can pray for yourself, you know, Pray that you you are are operating in holiness unto God, you know, because that's something we all struggle with. Let's face it; none of us are walk around in sinless puritanical perfection. It's not happening, not in this life. Okay, so it's a it's something that you constantly constantly would have to strive for. Okay, um, in the flesh is what I mean. All right, so. Um, I am going to go ahead and stop here, and we will go to part seven. So God bless you, and see you in part seven.